Welcome back to Unwatchable, you guys. My name is Chloe Rodriguez, and I am your host. Today is going to be such a fun episode because it's going to be our first podcast of the holiday season. And what better way to start off the holiday season than by talking about the movie, The Holiday. The 2006 movie, The Holiday, written and directed by Nancy Myers. You might be familiar with her work on the Lindsay Lohan version of The Parent Trap, Something's Gotta Give, It's Complicated, The Intern. She's done a lot. And I have a really special guest with me today to talk about this. One of my favorite people, she is someone who I've worked with before, doing improv. Uh, She's an actress. She's really, really funny. Her name is Jordan Murphy. And I'm about to hop on to a call with her right now so that we can get into a recap of the holiday. All right, thank you so much for coming on, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me. This is truly (laughs) awesome. Gives me something to look forward to and do. (laughs) This is so exciting. Jordan and I have known each other for four years at this point now, maybe? Maybe even more? Maybe four or five, yeah, because- Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, background, Jordan and I met at CSUN. We both went to Cal State Northridge and we were on the improv team. Uh, improv in, in the little circle of trees. Yes, we did. <laughs> and it was so fun. Um, and Jordan has been acting. I always see you posting your like adorable headshots and self tapes and stuff like that. You're out there and you're doing it. And I think that's so great. Um, you guys should definitely check out her Instagram. I'll link like all of her social media down below and stuff. If you want to go support her, her craft as they call it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Good to have you on, dude. Yeah. Good times in college. So today we're going to be talking about The Holiday, which is a movie that came out in 2006. Uh, I didn't know that this was a Nancy Myers movie uh, until the opening credits started. And I love Nancy Myers, so that got me very excited. Uh, are you familiar with some of her other movies? I am honestly, and I can't believe I'm saying this on an actual <laughs> podcast, I'm the worst actor because I don't know director names. <laughs> oh, that's no problem. <laughs> names, it's the worst. Like, like, like Spielberg, yes, I know his mm-hmm. films, but like, I need to study that more. Mm-hmm. Well, don't worry, I'll, I'll educate you right now. Uh, Nancy Myers did the Lindsay Lohan Parent Trap. Oh, yeah, a classic, <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Uh, and she did. She does a lot of like. I don't even know how to like describe them. They're like wholesome romance movies, kind of. Like she did, uh, she did It's Complicated, Something's Gotta Give, What Women Want. Uh, She did The Intern, I think was her most recent one, Uh, the film with Anne Hathaway and, uh, shoot, what's his name? That guy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's like feel good movies. Yeah. and I think that 
I think that was really interesting to know when I was watching this because there were some moments that were very romantic in this movie that I thought that's a very female version of romance. Uh, like you can tell a woman wrote this. And I thought that was really fascinating. Well, there is a point to that that we'll get to later on that I agree with you on. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, do you want to just get into the movie? Let's do it. Let's get into it. All right, so uh, as always with the movies on this podcast that I watched for the first time, uh, I took vigilant notes and I wrote, this is my first time ever you're watching The Holiday. Everybody I know has like talked about this. Every Christmas people say that it's like their favorite movie uh, and I had never seen it. And so this is my first impression of it. Jordan has seen it multiple times. So you watch it like every year, right? Yeah, it's one of those that I that I watch every single year. That with like, you know, Elf and uh, Christmas Vacation and <laughs> all those classic. Uh, oh, Christmas side note: What is your favorite Christmas movie? Oh, okay. My favorite Christmas movie, the, well, Christmas Vacation, National Lampoon's. That one is like a few, that is a tradition with my family. We used to watch it every. My dad can quote every single line from that movie. Um, I've never seen it. Well, we can bring me on again. We can do that one. <laughs> I've seen that more than I've seen The Holiday. Um, but my, honestly, I think while you were sleeping. I haven't seen that one either. <laughs> what is that movie? I don't think I've even ever heard of it. Sandra Bullock. Why I love Sandra Bullock. Okay, I'm giving you ideas. <laughs> well, you really are. These are the other things that I'm going to have to make an episode about. All right, yeah. Those are probably my two. But this one, The Holiday, it's a great movie. I do like it. Yeah. Um, I thought that this was like a really feel-good, like, rom-com. It was really funny, but also, like, there was a lot of, like, really charming moments in this movie. It was so charming. Yes, absolutely. Um, I would like to, I'd like to read like the synopsis, I guess, uh, real quick for you guys, um, just as an overview, according to Wikipedia. Uh, the Holiday is a romantic comedy film written, produced, and directed by Nancy Myers, uh, and it's about Iris and Amanda, two lovelorn women from opposite sides of the Atlantic Ocean who arrange a home exchange to escape heartbreak during the Christmas and holiday season. Uh, I had never heard of a home exchange before. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you think about it, it's kind, kind of like Airbnb, but except it's not an exchange. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote that in my notes. I wrote in my notes, like, if this was made now, it would just be like, oh, they rented each other's homes on Airbnb. <laughs> You'd have to like arrange that because you don't, is there a way to know who you're renting? I mean, I guess you know who you're renting to on Airbnb. Don't listen to me. <laughs> well, that's something, that's something I wanted to go into when we're going through this movie. So I guess uh, let's start at the top uh, and we'll get to, we'll get to more of that like weird little plot hole in a second. <laughs> but basically, uh, so we open on this picturesque movie scene. Uh, it's, it's too, people kissing, and then as we're zooming out, we're seeing uh, Jack Black scoring the scene uh, of the movie. Um, and then 
we're basically getting a little cut of each character and what they're experiencing at that moment. We get this wonderful little uh, voiceover by Kate Winslet. Uh, and just to give you guys a little taste of the thesis of the movie, she says, I have found almost everything ever written about love to be true. Shakespeare said, journeys end in lovers meeting. Uh, and then we see Cameron Diaz. She's in a car with like her boyfriend who she now hates. Uh, we see Jack Black. We see Kate Winslet. Uh, and we get this, this voiceover by Kate Winslet's character, Iris, where she's saying, uh, the most cruel love of all is unrequited love. And that's the love that you don't get back. And through her narration, we discover that she has been in love with this guy that she works with uh, for three years and is kind of being dicked around by him. I have a lot to say about that. Yes, I uh, absolutely agree. <laughs> but let's get into the scene. Um, essentially, this opens at Kate Winslet's work party. She works at the Daily Telegraph paper in England. Uh, her character's name is Iris. And from her exposition with her sassy friend at work, <laughs> we get a whole background of her with this guy, Jasper. And it's a history. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, my dog is coming out. <laughs> oh, no problem. <laughs> um, we find out that, so she was sleeping with Jasper initially, and then she found out that he was also sleeping with someone else that they work with. Uh, and so she was cheated on and they broke up, but she still has had feelings for him for like three years. And he's kind of like, he's basically one of those guys who's just like, he kept coming around to her when he was bored and like keeps flirting with her. But yeah, he, he really, it's, I don't know. It's a little unfair, like, what he's doing. I, oh. Obviously, he still has feelings for her. Um, but he's not allowing her to move on mm -hmm. by staying in her life and continuously, like, exchanging gifts and texting and even the way that he talks to her. I mean, I, I feel like, in my personal opinion, I feel like he likes the attention. Oh, Yeah. And so he's stringing her along, um, even at the expense of her heart. He clearly knows that she still likes him. Oh, yeah. I mean, she brought, she bought him a Christmas gift. Oh, and he goes, oh, darling, you know, what? Did you not expect her to get you a gift? You know? He has, a, there's this whole scene at the party where, first of all, he calls her Simpkey. He has, like, a nice little, like, pet name that only he calls her throughout the movie. Uh... Oh, and also my favorite part is that he goes, he brings it up. He goes like, I bought you a present, but I don't have it with me, but you would look really hot in it. So he like bought her like some lingerie or some shit like that. Uh, meanwhile, she buys him this like first edition, very sentimental book, presumably like his favorite book or something. Like it's a very personal gift. And he's just like, oh, dope, tight. Like, <laughs> Yeah, he, not appreciative. He, no, Ugh, I have so many. It's not fair. But also, I have personal experience in that. So, <laughs> but yeah, I think. Um, I mean, we'll we'll obviously get to talk about him a little bit more throughout this. 
But the thing that I did like about this whole dynamic is that I think usually the like jerk boyfriend kind of storyline or like the jerk guy in a lot of movies is very, uh, I think it's usually played like the same way. Like it's usually this like big macho dude who's like, hey babe, you're looking, you're looking hot today, blah, blah, blah. Whereas the dynamic between them is a lot more, like there is some more subtlety to it than we're used to seeing. Like there's moments where like, he's acting like her boyfriend. And like, there's moments where if you were in her position and you were in love with him, you could genuinely think like, oh, he's being, he, like, he is being so sweet to me. Like he's being so nice to me. This is exactly the kind of attention that I want from him. But there's still that like roadblock of like, he's not committing, he's with someone else. Like he's clearly using her, but he's so good at like manipulating the situation. And I feel like the way that he was written which is very different than a lot of other, like, villains I've seen. <laughs> it's, and I also, I, I think it's really just so important to, I think the dynamic is also really uh, pushed forward by, by Kate's character. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I mean, no one likes to have animosity. No one likes to have uh, burned bridges or yeah. forced to let someone go, especially someone that you work with. And so it's like I applaud um Kate's character for not completely shutting him out but I do think she's probably bargaining with herself a lot that maybe someday he'll see the light of day and knock on her door you know that grandiose gesture um so I do think a lot of it is just kind of on her too sometimes we have to accept that maybe I just need to stop communicating with this person in order for myself to move on. Oh yeah, I think everyone has that that person in their life at some point where they're like, oh, if they were just like a little different, then like everything would be perfect and I don't know why they can't see this. Like if they were just nicer to me or like if they just saw like how good this could be, then like everything would be perfect. And at some point you have to accept that like that's just not, how it works like you need to you need to do what's best for you uh so i like this dynamic already like i like this it's interesting yeah (laughs) absolutely um moments later at that same holiday party they announce jasper's engagement Uh, that's messed up (laughs) i mean how he's acting like her best friend how does that never even come up Hmm. I mean, I feel like she doesn't want to talk about it. Like, she probably avoids bringing it up because she doesn't want to hear about it, and he avoids bringing it up because it's not uh, conducive to him getting the attention that she want, that he wants. You know what I yeah, mean? That's right. That, yeah, he likes. He definitely likes seeing her googly eyes. Oh yeah, and there's that like oh that like heartbreaking shot in like the announcement where she's like in the crowd of people applauding for them and like she's starting to cry and he like spots it and does like nothing for it you know what I mean I mean what is he supposed to do in the moment he's getting married to someone else he clocks that she's upset um yeah what is he gonna do run down and (laughs) hug her she wishes that wouldn't be she wishes but that wouldn't be appropriate Uh, (laughs) she remembers oh wait I have to be happy for me oh and that hurts to see her like shoving that pain down 
I know. And Kate Winslet is so good. She's so good in this whole movie, I think, but I really love her introduction in this scene. Mm -hmm. Um, Then she, you know, she's heartbroken. She arrives at her home, Rose Hill Cottage, uh, and we just hear her sobbing. Uh, That's Iris's introduction. That's Iris and Jasper. And now we're about to be introduced to Cameron Diaz's character, Amanda, who is not in London. She is in Los Angeles in this like big ass, like multi-million dollar home. She's rich. She, oh, yeah. that, she says later in the movie, that's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Cameron Diaz's house, uh, we find, I thought it was her husband at first. It's her boyfriend, Ethan. He's waking up on the couch. Uh, he walks into their bedroom and she's already like ready to go and is like throwing shit at him and accusing him of cheating. Um, and he just, he keeps like denying the fact that he cheated on her with yeah. his secretary. And they're in this like huge fight. I, I hate to say it, but in this initial scene, uh, I don't think Cameron Diaz is the best actress. Oh my gosh. I think... I think the same thing. It's, it seems a little, um, it, it's just, it, it's just slightly more, uh, like, how do I say that? It's, it's just, it, she just was a little bit more invested. It would have matched Kate. I just, it, well, first of all, Kate Winslet is a fantastic actress. I mean, so to go straight from Kate's amazing emotional heartbreak when she sees someone else getting the guy she's in love with getting engaged to go to this it's a it's a more comedic scene I think when when Cameron is throwing the shoes so like in her defense I think like just the tone of the movie is kind of shifting into that comedic but uh, that comedic relief but I I do agree I think she's kind of like putting it on a little bit <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think she does get better as the movie goes on, but specifically, I don't know if it's because, like, she's just not very good at, like, fight scenes or something, but, like, specifically in this scene, her acting is very, like, and just tell me that you slept with her. Ooh, I'm mad. Like, it's just... It's kind of character. It's ca- caricature Yeah, just a yeah. little bit. A little bit. I was watching this. Oh my God. Sorry. I'm like looking to the side because I just put up my Christmas tree and my cat is like jumping through the leaves trying to get the ornaments. <laughs> so I'm a little distracted by that. Um, yeah, I wrote in my notes, I wrote her acting is not good in this. <laughs> <Question mark. laughs> so I'm kind of glad that you agree. At least I don't feel crazy. Uh, no hate to Cameron Diaz. No, not at all. Um, he accuses her of being like too obsessed with her job. She cuts like 75 trailers a year, apparently. Uh, she's introduced as like the, like kind of the uptight, very stressed out uh, workaholic type. Uh, she has a company that makes trailers for movies. Uh, he says that she never cries. She's basically supposed to be like, in contrast to Kate Winslet's character, who is very emotional and very like sweet and tender, uh, Cameron Diaz's character is supposed to be a lot more uh, tightly wound. And not that she's not like nice, because she does seem like a warm person at some points, but yeah. she's just not. Uh, she's not necessarily like a sweet, like little butterball kind of lady. 
they're really showing yeah they're really showing the differences between um uh kate and cameron i think it's just showing how different they are as two people but they're all they're both going through like the same kind of issue is dealing with love um i just thought about this is that cameron diaz is so like very structured and organized and get and she's a workaholic but if we go back to the scene prior with kate um there's that one little moment where it, i think it must have been her boss and they go um do you have your report yet and kate actually goes oh um oh shoot down to the wire sorry so it, it again that's another thing that shows how different they are yeah. uh yeah kate I, I, iris iris is uh a little bit more laid back and but Cameron Diaz like she would have had that thing done immediately okay. and she probably wouldn't even be at the party she'd be like no I'm gonna do another trailer right now <laughs> people on it. Yeah. <laughs> um essentially we find out in this scene that Ethan her boyfriend uh cheated on her she kicks him out uh she goes immediately back to work basically uh and then we're greeted by little young pregnant Katherine Hahn and uh, little baby boy John Krasinski. <laughs> Who can I say is literally Jim. Yeah. <laughs> he's Jim. He's Jim. Yeah, he's even, like, he's, like, doing the, like, slumped thing in his chair with his hand like this. He's like, nah, this is the, tra this is the cup for the trailer. Like, he's very, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's very, like, laid-back Jim-esque in this. <laughs> Um, and they are her, like, they basically work for her cutting these trailers. Here, okay, here's my first, uh, here's my first plot hole of the movie. So, so, they show her the cut for the movie that, like, the trailer that they're making. Uh, they're cutting a trailer for a Lindsay Lohan and James Franco trailer. Uh, that is supposed to come out on Christmas Day. Christmas Day is, like, a week away in this movie. Oh. Why would, like, I feel like the, the some theatrical trailers are out, like, months in advance. Like, I assume for, like, the biggest, one of the biggest movie seasons of the year, like Christmas, that they would have had this shit done by, like, September <laughs> at least, like. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. <laughs> because... Well, well, later on in the movie, the trailer comes on so that people are only seeing this trailer for, what, four days before it comes out in theaters? <laughs> yeah, like, and I feel like this wasn't, I feel like this was, okay, so this was 2006. This was, like, peak going to movie theaters time. Like, this was before streaming and shit. Like, yeah. you get DVDs and stuff, but, like, people were still going to theaters. So, like, I'm assuming you would want people to, like, physically go to the theater in time to see the movie. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a plot. They, yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to get a lot of audience in that movie theater. Um, she has, like, this mental breakdown in front of her staff where she's like, and even cheated on me, and I just need to get the fuck out of here. And then she has... <laughs> <laughs> Which side note, I love Katherine Hahn and John Krasinski, so I was really happy to be like, oh, there they are. Like, <laughs> Katherine looked so mortified watching her boss just have this mental breakdown. She's just like, I, um, I, <laughs> I have, I have the biggest crush on Katherine Hahn, like, for reals. So I was so excited that she was there. 
It's great. She always looks great. <laughs> um, there's this really funny scene where Cameron Diaz tries to cry and she can't because that's like this running theme throughout the movie is that her character like has not shed a tear in years. <laughs> like, honestly, that's really sad to not to be so um, that's one thing that her character is struggling with is that they she is really um, put work as her priority for so long because she has experienced pain. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where it's like, this person has like not dealt with their traumas. This person is like clearly not gone to therapy because they just mm-hmm. don't want to feel it. And it's started to affect her life and her personal love life. And so that's why I think it's really important that she is doing what she's doing in this mm-hmm. film, right? Yeah, I wish that that, I kind of wish that they had kind of, I wish that they had gone into that almost a little bit more because I think that's really interesting. Like there's been times where I've gone to therapy and I'm not like a big crier in front of people. And something that like my therapist has said and that I've heard just like in general in like the therapy community is that like sometimes people are so afraid to cry because they're afraid that if they cry, like they won't be able to stop and they won't be able to control it. And this like, this like lack of crying is like a fear of losing control almost. And that is very much in tune with like what we've seen from her character. Yes, or it's a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you know, I, I think that, that some of the strongest people do cry because they are very in, in tune with their emotions. Um, it's very admirable and, and empowering to be able to say, you know what, I'm not okay. And it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. You have to allow yourself to feel feelings or else you're just going to be holding on to it. And it's like, it's like how I explain, um, you're filling up this water bottle, right? And then you're all the way up to here. And then the smallest little thing will just set you off because you don't have the capacity to let yourself deal with it and then release it out. So, yeah. Cry. <laughs> if you guys take nothing else from this <laughs> podcast, this holiday season, we want you bawling. We want you in tears. <laughs> we want you sobbing by the end of this. <laughs> if we can get you to cry, we've done our jobs. <laughs> um, well, someone who is crying is Iris. Ayo, transition moment. <laughs> oh, is this the scene where she um, is by the stove? Yeah. <laughs> Iris is like sobbing at her home. She's like... She is letting herself feel. She's like all bundled up. She turns on the stove, presumably to like make tea or something. And then she starts sniffing the gas and then catches herself and is like, oh shit, that was a low moment. Like, we're not doing this. And she, she goes, she opens the door to get like, or the window to get fresh air. And she goes, low point, low point, low point. <laughs> yep. Which is comedic. Again, it shows that like, Sometimes we all have these like moments when we snap and it's like, oh wait, but that's what, that's what makes it funny. Comedy is relatability, <laughs> right? Bring it back. Let's <laughs> not go there. <laughs> um, and it, this is the point where she gets a message from Amanda. Amanda found Iris's home on like a home rental website. And then they're basically just sort of talking. Oh yeah, sorry, what were you doing? Rental website, but then she says, no, I will only want to exchange it, right. 
Yeah, so then they decide, <laughs> they're basically just like, dude, I'm in a shitty place. Like, let's just do a home swap, like swap homes, swap cars, swap everything. That's a lot of uh, trust to put in a stranger. <laughs> I am petrified to even have like someone come in and dog sit, let alone <laughs> have my things. <laughs> I get nervous when like my friends of like 15 years drive my car. Like anyone who's not on my insurance getting behind the wheel, like even if I've known them forever, even if they were a professional driver, I'd still be like, oh, my Sentra, be careful. <laughs> so they are, and okay, Aunt Cameron Diaz's house is like millions of dollars. So she like is really trusting. Um, what does your house look like? Kate asks Cameron, what does your house look like? Cameron says, mine's nice. A little bigger than yours. <laughs> She's being nice. Yeah, which... I kind of like this scene. I don't even care that that's a plot hole, like that they don't know each other and they're willing to do this. Uh, I'm fine with it. Sure. Like maybe these people are just so done with it. Uh, they're like, fuck it. I destroy my home. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I just want to get away. The bonding moment in this little scene is when Cameron asks if there are any men in her town of what is it? Surrey? Or yeah, she's from Surrey. Yeah. And then she says zero. When can I come? <laughs> <laughs> and they're both like, yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden, here, here was something that I was like, so she says, come tomorrow. And in my mind, I'm like, dude, you're going to have to give her more instruction than that. Because London is like nine hours ahead of Los Angeles. <laughs> they're like, tomorrow. I'm like, bitch, for you, tomorrow is in like four hours. For this woman, it's like tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> hopefully, they, hopefully the conversation did not end there. Hopefully there was more to it, yeah. which we um, imagine that. Oh, there's this wonderful scene after this where Iris is on the plane. Um, I'm so sorry. If you can hear crunching, my cat is knee deep in a box right now. Uh, <laughs> I have a roommate. I, there's two cats here. There's a dog. There's bound to be distractions. Okay. There may be some, some animal noises throughout the podcast. Um, I love this scene where Iris is on the plane. She's on her way to LA and she gets this text from Jasper who's basically like, hey, like, I've heard you're leaving town. Like, how am I going to be able to contact you? And you yeah. And what I love is that, so she types out this message. I wrote it down. She says, we both know I need to fall out of love with you. It would be great if you would let me try. Um, which is a great, like, message. It's honest. It's straightforward. I was really afraid that they were going to do that movie trope where she, like, types out the message. And then she's like, oh no, and she like deletes it all and then just like backpedals. I love that she actually sends it. Like I love that like she's taking a first step. Like she's really committing to getting over this guy. She wants, she's trying to move on. This is a fresh start for her. She's going um, to LA. She's doing something she's never done. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, we also have seen, oh sorry, what were you gonna say? Oh, there's one point that I want to make about Kate Winslet's arrival in LA, but okay. right now, can I say? Sure, go for it, go for it. When she's driving down, when she's in the car coming down PCH, mm -hmm. there's no way that she did not arrive into LAX, right? From London, 
Yeah. He's driving the wrong way. They're going, <laughs> they're going south down PCH. You check this out. Like, <laughs> you're such a Californian that you're like, that freeway route does not match up. <laughs> On a Friday? I'm like, <laughs> not right. She's going south. That ge geographically doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> you're going full on like that sketch from SNL, the Californians, where you're like, she's clearly going southbound down PCH when Raleigh, she should be going northbound towards LAX. Like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> we're on to the five if you want to beat oncoming traffic. Like, <laughs> Look, I know why they filmed it like that, because they needed to get her on that side of the car looking at the beach. Because <laughs> if it was the other way, she'd be looking at mountains. Yeah, but I get it. I'm not mad. I'm just like continuity. <laughs> I don't know. You sound a little mad, Jordan. Serious. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, uh, Jordan did not shut the movie off after this. Luckily, she got to see this amazing scene with Amanda on first class because, as we've established, Cameron Diaz's character Amanda is loaded. Uh, and we introduce this trope that goes on throughout the movie where she starts to have like these trailer nightmares where like <laughs> her life is narrated. It's like, Amanda thought she was gonna have a good Christmas. <laughs> that was a good, that was a good imitation of that voice. Okay. That, that truly shows that this woman cannot stop working. She is constantly making trailers in her mind. Oh my god, I didn't even think about it like that. She's, like, that's insane. She needs a vacation more than anyone. <laughs> she is committed. I thought this was very funny. <laughs> um, but you're right, we get that wonderful scene of, of Kate Winslet uh, going the incorrect way. Maybe maybe she told her driver just to like, keep looping. I want to see all that, all that California has to offer. I don't know. <laughs> if, it was, if it was made today, Perhaps her lift, it was a share. So maybe he had to drop someone else off. Yeah. Or something, and then they, they looped around. I don't know. We're going to retool this whole movie to be like 2020 version. <laughs> I love it. Can I play Cameron Diaz? Perfect. And I'll be Kate Winslet. <laughs> um, so Kate Winslet arrives at this like fucking mansion of a home. Uh, Cameron Diaz, however, arrives in England in the middle of winter. She has to hike all the way up to the home in the snow, in heels. Stilettos, no? Oh yeah, stiletto heels. Um, she, we also have this scene once she gets there where she tries to drive, uh, she's trying to drive to the city and she drives on the wrong side of the road, which is like literally living out a literal nightmare of mine. I'm terrified to drive in another country because I don't think I'll be able to switch it in my mind. And I know that I'll just end up in an accident. Probably, me too. I'm not a very um, good driver to begin with, so. And then we get this wonderful scene where she eats chocolate in bed, which is her living out another dream of mine, but this isn't a nightmare. This is like top tier dream. You've never had chocolate in bed. Oh, I'm sure I have, but like, she's doing it in the luxurious, like, I'm on vacation way, where she's like in a nice robe and she's like in a comfy bed, eating chocolates and watching a movie. I do it in the like, I'm a little rat eating chocolate in like the dead of night, like in my pajamas, like just staring off into the void. Like, 
That's how I do it. No one will ever know. <laughs> yeah, I'm like munching on some like Ghirardelli and it's like 3 a.m. <laughs> I love it. Um, oh yeah, also, side note, Iris just like left her dog. <laughs> oh my gosh, wait. Well, I, her brother does live nearby, but that does not, that's another plot hole. Like who let the dog out? Who let the dog out? <laughs> well, they were in transit. Like, who? Oh, this is the most well-behaved dog. Like, oh my gosh, it's a very well-behaved dog. Like, he didn't go through the trash at all. I know. That's unheard of. It's <laughs> a good boy. That's a good boy right there. Um, there's, oh, we have to talk about the scene where we meet, where we actually meet Jack Black's character. We saw him, like, in the first scene of the movie, but now we're actually getting introduced to Miles. And can I say, Jack Black in this movie is a sweetheart. I feel like it's so common to have seen his movies where he's playing this, like, wacky, like, zany, you know, I mean, he does that well. But this movie, it's like, you know, they shaved his face. He's nice, clean cut. Like, I honestly, like, I would, like, I, I'm obsessed with Jack Black in this movie. He's a nice guy. He's so sweet. Yes. <laughs> He's a, I feel like, uh, I feel like people just think of Jack Black doing his, like, yeah, like what you were saying, like his crazy, like, doodly dee, da da da, like, kickity kicks. But then, like, you see him in, like, early 2000s movies like this, and he's so cute. Yeah. Adorable. A, a, a teddy bear, if I may say. <laughs> um, Iris is trying to figure out how to open this, like, motorized gate at Amanda's house. Uh, and that's when we meet Jack Black for the first time. He's arrived there to help pick up uh, some of the ex-boyfriend's things. Uh, there was no briefing on how to open the gate or like how the home operates. Like another another plot hole. <laughs> uh, I side note. I have this theory. I have the shower tour theory. Like something that I love is when you go to someone's house for 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 like the first time, and they have to like show you how things work, and like <laughs> like if you ever stay at like a guy's house or like a woman's house for the first time you're like dating and you're like staying over uh there's this shower tour theory i have which is like you can really tell if they're interested in you if they give you the shower tour like if they're like yeah you can take a shower here's how it works so uh you have to you have to wiggle this knob and then the hot water is going to be a little bit too hot at first but don't worry like mix it up with the cold water a little and then you're going to pull this thing and then that's going to drain. Like they have to give you the full, like adorable shower tour because everyone's shower works differently. Now I'm honestly replaying all the times that I could have had the shower. What'd you call it? A shower, shower tour. tour. I Oh, the tour. Yes. I could have had one, but I haven't got, that's going to be a first date question for me from now on. So you give a shower tour when you first let someone stay over. That's, that's a, that is a red flag, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to Chloe. If they do not give you the shower tour, you don't stay the night. You leave. Yeah. If you need, to, you need to rinse off and your boyfriend does not teach you how the knobs work on his shower, he doesn't care about you guys. You need, honey, you need to go. 
go into the bathroom and climb out the little window that's in that's above the shower. Get out. Well, you know who <laughs> you know who would give the shower tour? Jack Flag's character, Miles. <laughs> I absolutely agree. He would give a shower tour. Absolutely. <laughs> Adorable. This is when they're meeting for the first time. Uh, I have to say, I think that Jack Black and Kate Winslet have like really good chemistry in this movie, which was unexpected to me. They do. They really do. Like, I love, <laughs> I love that it's like a windy day and they have this like meat cute that we've never seen before where like an eyelash gets in her eye and he has to like... <laughs> forget it out <laughs> and the poor girlfriend i have to say the, the the poor girlfriend this may be of what like started her little affair maybe she got jealous seeing this chemistry happening between her boyfriend and, and kate winslet she's just watching this in the car i know it's but you know what <laughs> oh so what were you gonna say? I say it's probably why she gets out of the car because she's like um hello hi. <laughs> <laughs> So but I have to say, an, another sign of a, a female screenwriter to me is that uh, Miles is very sweet, but he's not, uh, it's not like a moment where he's like, ew, a hot lady. It, like, he's just like a nice dude. Uh, he's like, yeah, he's like helping her out and he's teaching her about the Santa Ana winds. But he's not like overtly like hitting on her in front of his girlfriend or anything. Like, it's charming. I do think he is charming. Oh, yeah. But I think he's charming in, like, a natural way. I don't think he's, like, being charming in the, like, oh, I want to sleep with you kind of way. Yeah. It's a very pure, romantic um, gesture, I guess. <laughs> and then uh, and then as she's going back into the house, he goes, don't blow away, which is very cute. Which comes back later. Mm -hmm. Um, okay, so now we're getting into the Jude Law scene with Cameron Diaz. Uh, I have to know, what do, what do you think about the character that, that Jude Law plays, Graham? Oh, um, I think his character, I, I, I like his character. Mm -hmm. I have no gripe or anything at all. I think he's a stand-up guy. For the <laughs> I'm not setting you up for anything bad, don't okay, worry. Okay, I was like, I was like oh, is this a test? Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I like Jude Law's character. He's, he's, I mean, obviously we meet him in this scene that he's coming after a, a drunken night, um, mm -hmm. which I do have something to speak on in regards to our female director. <laughs> uh, but overall, I don't know if we, we can get into that in a second, but um, overall, I like him. We come to find out that, you know, later on, he's a dad and he's just doing his best and yes. obviously widowed. Um, I think he has a good heart and mm -hmm. he's looking for love just like everyone else. <laughs> That's so inspirational. <laughs> he shows up at, uh, at the cottage where Cameron Diaz is. Apparently his sister, like, did not tell him that she was going to be gone. Like, they left in a haste. He called him, though. He said that. He goes, oh, she did try to ring me last night, but I couldn't, I couldn't call her back. And then he goes, now I feel bad. I think my impression of him was bad at first just because uh, in this initial scene, like, A, because he's drunk. I guess that's just not a good first impression of someone. But B, because... He does this thing a little bit in the scene that I hate when like male characters do and just when guys do this in real life in general 
where he's just like, you don't want to be with me. I'm a complicated guy. Like, he, I feel like he kind of does that at the beginning of this movie, which he's right. Like, he has, like, some complicated parts of his history. But usually when a guy does that, I'm like, oh, so you just, like, say that so that you can get out of relationships. That's what I thought, like, that's where I thought this was going, so I didn't like him at first. Or it could be, like, almost, even if it's not conscious, it could be a tactic to, like, if you tell the person, oh, you don't want to be with me, it almost makes the person want them more because you all, you, it's typical to want what you can't have. Yeah, it's forbidden love. Forbidden love, yes. Um, I would love to speak on, um, it's interesting. This was a little bit of a, uh, hashtag me too moment. They do talk about consent in the scene, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Cameron Diaz does go on later to be like, you know, you're drunk and, uh, you're not going to remember this, you know, but I think we should, I think we should have sex if that's, if that's okay. Yeah. Right. However, if it was the other way around, if Cameron Diaz was the drunk one mm-hmm. and he was the sober one, which I guess Cameron Diaz has been drinking a little bit, um, it wouldn't be okay. So it's just an interesting thing to think about. Like, I know a female director did write this, but I don't know. I'm a little, that's one part of the movie that I don't like. Because I'm thinking about hashtag me too. <laughs> well, they even, uh, they even address this later in the film. There's this scene where like they had gotten really drunk. I mean, I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit. We'll get to it later. There's this scene where they were like both super drunk and she was like especially drunk. And the next day she's like, we didn't have sex, did we? And he's like, no, I don't make it a habit to have sex with women who are so drunk that they're like unconscious. Yeah. Supposed to be like, yay, he's a good guy. He didn't assault her. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, you didn't assault someone. Oh, great. He is a stand-up guy. <laughs> Which, like, yes, I mean, good. He should not, like, he made the right call. Uh, like, maybe, let's try to, like, make the bar uh, uh, not so <laughs> high for whether or not you're a stand-up guy. No one should be sexually assaulting anyone. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I think you are right. I mean, they kind of they kind of have this scene where they like start making out and like you can kind of tell it's weird because she's like kind of talking him out of it, but like kind of not. I think it's very funny that she's like, we should have sex. But just so you know, I'm very bad at it. (laughs) She's like, I've been told that I'm bad at sex. Which is also a mean freaking thing to say to anyone that you're in a sexual relationship with. How dare you? Yeah, apparently like her ex-boyfriend had said that. She's like, I'm bad, sorry. <laughs> and then uh, she's also like, I hate foreplay, which by the way, I just have to say, <laughs> I hate that like it's presented that that's what makes her like a cool chick is that she like hates foreplay. Also, it's just, like I- physically necessary for women, like <laughs> usually. I mean, if I can be completely honest, like I'm gay, so foreplay? Let's do like that's all there is. Like, what are you talking about? You're like foreplay. That's the that's the hot ticket item for me. That's the main play of the game. I spent two hours doing that. Foreplay is <laughs> the main play. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I do know what you're saying. Like, it is a 
little bit questionable. And I think especially like, you're right. I think if the genders were flipped, people would have resurrected this movie now and yeah. been like, ooh, that scene from the holiday that's like really touchy. Uh, I guess I guess the only defense to it is that uh, it seems like, I guess it's hard to tell how drunk he is and how drunk she equally is. Yeah, well, and that's just the gray line with everything with consent. Um, also, I mean, the Me Too movement really did not uh, take off back then when this movie was made. So it's understandable why it's, there's so many things in old movies that you're like, eh, that's not good today. But back then it was funny. Yeah. I, uh, back then, uh, you could only hope that a beautiful Jude Law stumbled into your movie and was just like, sweet, Cameron Diaz is here. Him with um, the glasses later on? Oh my god, he put, I, I was like, oh, Jude Law in a turtleneck, like, he's pretty cute, and then he, he put the glasses on, I was like, my life has changed. <laughs> but glasses. In glasses. Oh, yes. Um, wear glasses. On the other side of the world, Amanda wakes up and, uh, oh wait, no, no, not Amanda. Iris wakes up and air guitars, which I know she's supposed to be quirky. I have never air guitared by myself first thing in the morning. Well, maybe not first thing in the morning, but I will say that I, I love dancing in my apartment when I'm home alone. <laughs> I put my AirPods in, blast it. I dance all the time. I'll dance. I just don't specifically like air guitar is such a specific move. I, I have done it. <laughs> not. Okay, never mind. I'm not making the judgment call then. Jordan has air guitar solo in her home. I secretly want to be in a punk rock band. <laughs> well, you're right. Never mind. This does add validity to the scene. I know this. I'm striking this off of the list of plot holes or weird things in the movie. <laughs> Um, but quickly, that air guitar comes to an end because Jasper calls. I love how I have to make these like poetic uh, transitions. Uh, <laughs> Jasper calls and asks for help with his book. He asks her to review his pages. Uh, She's on vacation. Give her a break. Not only that, but she specifically told him, hey, like I'm... She basically said, I'm going on this trip to get over you. And then he starts flirting with her and being like, hey, remember that, like, how hot you look in that red bikini and, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, basically is, like, initiating, like, like sexual talk with her. He's definitely drunk in the scene because later she hears, or on the phone call, because she hears voices in the background or, like, a taxi or whatever, and that's mm -hmm. when she, like, hangs up the phone. She realized oh, that, I didn't even yeah. get that part. I, I got that for the first time actually when I rewatched it um, last night. I was like, oh, because she quickly she goes, oh, okay, and then she hangs up the phone and, and brings down the shades again. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So she goes back into her little depression. She was air guitaring five minutes ago, and then Jasper just brought her down again. Yep. Uh then we cut to a scene where she is driving down the street. And we are introduced to Arthur Abbott. Oh. Uh, she finds this old man kind of like confusedly walking through the neighborhood. He looks kind of like he doesn't know where he's going. Oh. She picks him up uh, and 
there's like this really cute like car scene where she's like driving him home and they're getting to know each other and he explains that he's like well he was a, a screenwriter and then he explains to her the concept of a meet cute which I don't know when that concept started. I don't know if like this is what coined the term or if that term has been around for a long time. Mm. But uh, yeah, he explains the meat cute and he says, oh, we just had a meat cute, which is adorable. Yeah, the meat cute was, he goes, she goes, before he gets into the car, she offers to drive him home. And he says, why, do you know where I live? And she says, yeah, I think I do. That makes one of us. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just adorable. I want to be him when I'm older. <laughs> I would like to be this old man. <laughs> I would like to have that humor, that like quick on my feet um, comedy, comedic timing when, by the time that I'm his age in this film. Yeah, he's sharp. I have to, I have to deliver a, a, an aside for a moment to be theatrical with you. Uh, Nancy Myers has an obsession with old people. <laughs> I've noticed this throughout her films. Uh, oh my God, I cannot believe, I'm looking this up because I can't believe I'm blanking on the name of like one of the most like popular, older, Robert De Niro! <laughs> That's who I was thinking of. In The Intern, uh, there is like a friendship formed between Anne Hathaway and Robert De Niro. He's a charming old man in that film. Uh, it's complicated is, I believe it had a uh, Diane Keaton, Steve Martin, and Alec Baldwin all playing like older like people in that film. Mm -hmm. uh, there's an old man in this movie. There's a delightful old grandpa in uh, The Parent Trap. Nancy Myers loves charming old men. Who doesn't though? <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. It's not weird at all. <laughs> Oh my gosh, we like charming old men who are quick on their feet. She just has, she loves riding for him. She loves the gramps. She, she can't get enough. <laughs> They're wise. Um, we go to Arthur's house and he has a ton of awards. He is revealed to be this like award-winning screenwriter. Sure, uh, right? He has an Oscar. Mm -hmm. Like, it, and it's funny too because his his house is very very like. Um, it's not messy, but it's cluttered just to show how much work that this guy has put out in his yeah. lifetime. And I love that one part where it pans over and it, you see his Oscar like in his window on like a little windowsill, but it's like kind of, it's not shown off. It's not displayed. It's mm -hmm. just kind of tucked behind a bunch of other stacks of papers and books. And so it's not even, he, it's just, it's that typical artist thing where you're like, oh, it's whatever. Mm -hmm. He doesn't think that, and that's a, that comes back um, in this movie is that he doesn't think that he's as great as he really is. It's that artist insecurity. Yeah, I think um, that's something I really want to point out about the way that this movie is directed is that each home really speaks to that character. Um, Cameron Diaz's house is very, like, it's, it's big and it's not like super cluttered. Everything is very like sharp and angular and like everything kind of has like a place. And there's a lot of, uh, there's like a lot of like motorized things in it. I, she was like accused earlier in the movie of being like robotic almost. And like, there's a lot of robotic elements in her home. She has a perfect home. She's, yeah. she's rich, she's showing it off. She has great furniture. It's like a, it's a picture perfect magazine-esque home. Whereas, like, uh, 
Kate Winslet's home is like a little smaller, it's warm, it's kind of like has like these little quirky elements. There's like a fireplace, there's a lot of stone. Uh, she has that cute little polka dot dress in the cupboard. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's a lot more like her character. And then again, with this guy, it his home is not ostentatious at all. His things, like he's a very humble guy. He has a lot of things that like ordinarily someone would want to put out and display and like show off. And his stuff is kind of just like, oh, it's in my office. It's like more in the corner. Uh, I love that there's like all of that detail put into like the background of these characters just through the sets, you know? It, it's interesting too, because I didn't even think of this until you just brought it up now, but it really shows what each character deems success to be. Mm, that's a good point. Cameron Diaz needs the, the, the nice house. She needs the, she needs people to see her success. Mm -hmm. And um, Kate Winslet is more quaint and humbled like her like I think success for Kate Winslet is having someone to share things with mm -hmm. and then um, this this old man this his uh, his idea of success is not necessarily what he's done or the awards that he's gotten but it's um, maybe I don't know what it is for him but maybe I mean uh, he has a lot of scripts around I think he's I think he writes for the stories and the characters mm -hmm. and not necessarily the acclaim. Like he right. even talks about, we, we hear later in the movie, he talks about his wife and about like, she was the protagonist that I was always writing about. Mm -hmm. Like he loved her and loved like who she was as a person. And he modeled a lot of his characters after her. And I think that's why he likes writing so much is because he likes people and he wants to put people on the page and that's why he's less concerned about himself and just more into like getting to know other people throughout the movie you know yeah he loves he loves getting to know people one of my favorite lines is when she offers to take him to dinner she goes <laughs> you're not busy uh would you like to join me for dinner he goes i haven't been busy since 1976 or something like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's so cute uh they go on this like really cute dinner date uh and she starts talking to him about Jasper and like starts getting really emotional about it. Uh, and he says something, he says, you're the leading lady of your life. Why are you acting like you are the side character? Like, why are you acting like you're just the best friend character? You are the protagonist. Uh, She's being Jasper's best friend. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah, she's making him the lead of her life instead of being the lead of her own life. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's, that speaks to me as well. When I heard that, I was reminded, like, yeah, I am the leading character of my own life. But still, I'm the most important person in this world. <laughs> I am. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. <laughs> she goes, in the same conversation, Kate goes, I've been in therapy for so however many years. And they've never explained it to me just like how you did. She goes, it was brutal, but it was good. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you need to hear the brutal tr truth. Mm -hmm. Well, that's something that I kind of love about this movie is that like all four characters, like all four main characters are creatives. Like he's a writer, she's a journalist. Uh, 
Um, Amanda is an editor. I mean, she does creative things. She tells a story through a trailer. Um, and Miles is a musician. So I love that, like, I love that they're like all creatives, but they're all creatives uh, who express themselves in different ways and still like, I think so often it's like this person is the uptight businesswoman and she's not creative in any way. And that would normally be Cameron Diaz's character. Right. But she's not like, she's not like a cold person and she's not like an uncreative person. She li she's thinking of her life like as a trailer. She's like narrating her life. Yeah. And then normally it would be like, and then this is the fun kooky character who's creative. And I like that they're like, I like that it's not just tropes. Like it's not just like straight character types. They're all like a little more dynamic than that. Absolutely. Um, so then we get that scene that we talked about a little bit before where um, Amanda and Graham had been like drinking the night prior and they, you know, they talk about how like they spent the night together but nothing physically happened between them. Uh, everyone stands up. We applaud a man for, you know, not, not being a dirtbag. <laughs> <Great. laughs> um, and then he gets a call from Olivia. And this is when we, like, first get, I mean, we really do get the, the feeling of feelings starting to develop between the two of them. And uh, Cameron Diaz is like, who is Olivia? Like, he was talking to Olivia, then he was talking to Sophie. Like, who are these bitches? <laughs> He's getting jealous over here. Who's, who's talking to my man? <laughs> because she knows she's only there for a couple weeks. But she just can't help it because it's Jude Law and he's wearing a turtleneck and glasses. Who's good, right? <laughs> um, then he asks her out on like basically their actual first date. Um, and I kind of really love this date scene between the two of them. I love how we went from like a date scene between like an old man and Kate Winslet and now like a date between Cameron Diaz and Jude Law. Um, but I love that you can tell that like, you know, she's kind of like, she's kind of putting up a front a little, like you can tell she's kind of nervous and she's like babbly and she like has kind of like a wall up where she's like not fully letting him in. And he's just like, dude, chill. We've slept together already. Like, well, we've she talked. Starts with, she starts like interviewing him. Like, mm -hmm. what did you do? What did you study in college? What did you, did you did you want to do that for a living? Like, she's asking all these questions, and he's like, oh, uh, uh, yeah. Like, do you not know how to be on a first date? Which, to her defense, she hadn't been on a first date in years. Mm -hmm. She doesn't know. She's nervous. And I totally like. I totally understand her in this scene because, like, I have very bad anxiety and when I have like when I, when I'm in a position when I'm nervous I babble a lot and it's almost like a I'm sure you understand what I'm saying when sometimes like when you're anxious you feel like okay I have to get to like the next step so like I'm gonna ask a question because like I'll ask the question and then I get an answer and then I know what's happening and then I'll ask another question and then I get an answer and then I know what's happening and I feel like that's kind of what her character is doing. Like, she's kind of anxious. Like, she's nervous about this. She's so anxious. And I, of course, she wants it to work out well. Like, one of my deepest fears, it's, I don't know if it's irrational or not, but I, I get nervous that with dating, that um, we're going to get to a point where we run out of things to talk about. Mm -hmm. So that's why you keep asking questions. Like, okay, well, 
what about your experience in this or what did you do here mm -hmm. and uh i think if anything she she does it's true she is getting feelings for this guy and she is almost butchering it because she wants it so bad <laughs> instead of just <laughs> relaxing and letting it happen the way it, it's meant to yeah and he's really sweet to like calm her down uh eventually we get to this uh we kind of get to this story of her opening up where she's talking about like you know i haven't cried since i was 15 because my parents and i we were super close it was just me and them i was an only child and when they broke up it was super sudden and like i didn't see it coming and all of a sudden just one night my parents said they were divorcing and I noticed that my dad was all packed up and he literally left that night. Like she had no, uh, there was no easing into it. It was just like a switch flipped and her life was completely different in one night. And she said she cried herself to sleep for, I don't know how long it was, like months or a couple of years, but then that's like kind of the switch that went off in her brain. She was like, I need to toughen up. Yeah. And from that, from that day on, she just put a, put a strong face on. Yeah. And then on the opposite end, he says that he's a huge crier and that he cries over anything. <laughs> uh, and it's really cute. And we get this like cute little montage of them like jumping through leaves and like the snow and stuff. And it's clear that they're like both really smitten with each other now. Mm -hmm. um, meanwhile, Jack Black shows up and <laughs> Jack Black shows up at a uh, where Iris is staying, and Iris is hosting a Hanukkah party oh. Arthur and a bunch of old men. <laughs> Iris is honestly, like, I want to be Iris's best friend. <laughs> yeah, she's very sweet. Like, I love that she's just like, I've never experienced Hanukkah before, so I thought, why not? Like, you know what, Chloe? I just I know that we're both Jewish. Um, <laughs> I I my grandma lives in Leisure World in Seal Beach, mm -hmm. and I will say I've had many uh, a Passover and or Shabbat where I've been invited to dinner to to see my grandma, and uh, I did I thought it would just be my me and my grandma, but every time she always has her friends who come over, and you know what? If I can say something, old people are fun. <laughs> They do. They just want to, like, talk about their life experiences. And you know what's also really cool about old people is, like, most of the time, they will compliment you and tell you that you're doing a good job. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're so interested in, like, what you're doing. Like, oh, so, oh and they're all, they always make you feel good about yourself. So I think, I think Nancy Myers is on to something with her old man obsession. <laughs> I love the beginning of a sentence. You know what else is great about old people? <laughs> well, it's true. I feel like this is going to be a total tangent, but I think you're the person to have it with. I feel like old people are given so much shit in our country for, like, just being old. Like, people make fun of old people all the time because, like, let's face it, you're not, like, super sexually attractive to a lot of people by then. You're not hot anymore. You're not really working, and uh, uh, in America, we're told that productivity is, like, the most important thing that you can produce, and, like, I guess you're, like, you don't know how to use the internet, so, oh, no. But, like, there's, like, I don't know if you've ever sat down, I'm, talk I'm not talking to you, Jordan, I'm talking to the general audience of the podcast, 
if you guys haven't sat down and if your grandparents are still living, had a conversation where you just ask them about their life, like you'll hear some amazing stories. Yeah. That's my goal in life is to be <laughs> a wise old woman. Like I want people to want to like to come to me and be so curious about my life and I'll just give them advice because I have it. Yeah, dude, my, <laughs> my, Papa lived through the Great Depression and he has all kinds of crazy stories about like one of my like my great great uncle or something was like some mobster who used to like sneak them in extra rations in the Great Depression like would sneak his family in like steaks and shit like that and they would never know when he was coming and he would just show up with like extra shit that they couldn't get anywhere else like he has some crazy ass stories from like the whole history of, like, since the 30s on, and no one ever, like, asks old people. They're just like, shut up. Yeah, they have stories. So many stories. That's our tangent about old people. Anything to add about this tangent, Jordan? I'm fired up. Uh, ask your grandparents questions if you have them. If not, knock on the, on the old person next door. Knock yeah. On the <laughs> Bring them some cookies, okay? Uh... Oh my god. <laughs> Let's get back to the movie. Wait, bring an old person cookies today. Yeah, if you guys are listening to this, if you're listening to this, it's the holiday season and you're looking for something to do, why not bring an old person some cookies? <laughs> That's our message to you from the Unwatchable podcast. Bring an old person some cookies today. <laughs> um, so, Miles is kind of like living it up with the old people. He's like the charmer of the Hanukkah party. Oh, he's having a ball. Mm-hmm. And he's talking Manischewitz. to them about- He's had too much Manischewitz, which if anyone here is Jewish and has had Manischewitz, you gotta have a lot of Manischewitz to have had too much Manischewitz. <laughs> yeah, he drank a lot of Manischewitz. <laughs> uh, he's, he's having a wild time. He's talking to them about his beautiful girlfriend uh, who's on set filming a movie right now and uh, then, and then um, what's our old person's name uh, Arthur Arthur yes he does that little side eye looking at Kate Winslet like hmm the act the actor girlfriend's not here <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah old people love to hook you up they're the best wingman ever <laughs> um, meanwhile Amanda is in a tub and having another trailer nightmare um, she decides to crash, uh, Graham's, I don't know, she just decides to show up at his house. Right, which if I can say, like, you see that happen in movies, but have you ever actually gone and just showed up at someone's house that you've been candidating or whatever? Like, you normally call first. Or maybe, I don't know, send a text. She just, that's ballsy. She just shows up. Yeah, I have never, I've shown up at friends' homes. I've never showed up at like a romantic interest home just out of nowhere. Uh, I never <laughs> feel like uh, I would be nervous about it. I did get into a fight with a friend once because she wanted to meet, this was years ago, she wanted to meet uh, my boyfriend at the time and she was like, well, we can just show up at his house. And I was like, we can't just show up at someone's house. Like, are you insane? Like, no, we have to give him warning. 
she was like, no, you're his girlfriend. We're just going to show up at his house. And I was like, no. And she got very mad that I wouldn't just show up at this dude's house. Uh, but she should go with Amanda because apparently Amanda is not opposed to this kind of greeting. She's ballsy. <laughs> She's got gumption. Yep. Uh, she brings over a whole sack of wine and cheese and shit like that. Uh, and it turns out that Sophie and Olivia uh, were not random ladies that Graham was courting. Uh, they are, in fact, his daughters. <laughs> the cutest daughters in the world, might I say. They're so cute. Adorable and very, very well-mannered, mm -hmm. which speaks to how good of a parent that he is. Um, yeah, they're like, oh, come on in. Like, they're <laughs> so excited to meet her. Um, this scene, this whole sequence, actually, was really uh, the part that screamed female screenwriter to me. I, I don't know if you necessarily agree, but I feel like this concept of like, oh, he's a dad, he's like, he's a good dad, and he's a hot widower. Like, I feel like the hot widower thing, because there's no baby mama drama, you know, he was, he was in love with his wife, he loved her so much, and she tragically died, and now he takes care of his children. It's That's the like, ideal story. It really is. You don't have to deal with an ex-wife, a, a divorcee. You don't have to deal with any, like, dirty baggage or whatever. It's like, he was so brokenhearted, and now I can come in and make him feel better. <laughs> this is the most specifically female, like, romantic story I've ever heard. Like, I've never seen a male... I mean, granted, I haven't seen every movie ever written. But I can't think of a, a male-written screenplay that's like, and she's a hot widow? And she's got three sons? Like, I've never seen that in my life. I feel like it's such a female thing to be like, oh, he's a good dad, he's doing Mr. Napkin Head, like, which I love that scene. He, like, makes this whole, he puts a napkin on his head and his glasses, and he does this funny voice for his kids, and he's making them hot chocolate. And I feel like some of that must have been pulled from like Nancy Myers and her own like children or something because it's so oddly specific. It is, yeah. Um, but I just thought that was like the most like like female concept of romance that I had ever seen, and it worked on me. I was like, "That's hot." <laughs> it is. I also think the dynamic is perfect for Cameron Diaz's character. Um, I don't want to like put words in her mouth, but she doesn't. She could because she is a workaholic. Maybe she's not the type of woman who is like really craving to be a child bearer so she could still be a mom and not have to go through a pregnancy yeah perfect for her she's on board I mean I I really like that they didn't make this they didn't do like a Jurassic World thing where they're like she's a workaholic so she doesn't know how to talk to kids like She's never seen a child in her life. Like, she's just like, oh, hey, what's up? Like, she's totally chill with it. Yeah. Um, Sequence. Yeah, they, uh, there's also this, like, nice little heartfelt scene uh, between Cameron Diaz and Jude Law, where he's just like, she's like, uh, why did you not tell me that you had kids? And he's like, remember, like, you're leaving? And, like, my kids are important. I didn't really, like, want to share them with someone who I knew was, like, going to be leaving. And also, like, it complicates things. Like, they were... I, I was about to be like, oh, so he's just been fucking around while he has kids at home? They were at his mother's. <laughs> it's difficult because I come from a, a divorced home as well. 
Mm-hmm. And it is difficult. I, I, I was having a conversation actually recently with my dad about, because there was one person that he had been dating uh, for a little bit of time that me and my brother actually ended up meeting. And, but he's not dating this person anymore, but it is confusing for kids to keep meeting new people um, constantly. So in his defense, um, he, you know, as a father figure, needs that assurance that this person mm-hmm. is, is really going to be committed in there before you take that next step. Um, oh, yeah. I totally thought what he made, like, made perfect sense. He didn't seem like a jerk or anything. Like, not at all. She's not, especially since she's, like, leaving, like, she's not entitled to know about this, like, traumatic thing that happened where he, like, lost his wife and, like, she's not entitled to meet his kids. I do like that it happened because I, I thought it was very cute, like, just to see them all together. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that, I think that was really nice to have included. So it was like, yeah, I mean, what is he supposed to do? Like, he's a guy, he wants to, like, meet someone but also, like, it's a weird balance that he has to strike now. Because he has that whole monologue about how I don't know how to do both. I don't know how to date and to be Mr. Napkinhead. It's hard. So that, and then it justifies why he came on the first night drunk to, to the Kate Winslet's home is because um, when they stay at their grandma's, I, during the weekend, like, I can finally just be a single man. I don't, he's like, I'm reading cookbooks. Like it's, that's not what I want to do, but I have to be a mom and a dad. Yeah. It's really sweet. Um, That's when I really started to, I was like, okay, I like his character a lot now. (laughs) Um, Meanwhile, uh, Iris back in LA discovers that Arthur is supposed to be honored by the Writers Guild of America. She decides to help him like get in shape because he doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to like, He's basically saying like, dude, I'm old. I don't want to walk across the stage with a walker at like a hundred years old and see everyone like staring at me and treating me like an old person. He's also concerned that no one's going to be there. Not only is he embarrassed to embarrass himself by not being able to walk himself up the stage, he doesn't think that anyone's going to show up because who cares about an old fart like me? Yep. And so she makes it her mission to, like, you know, help him get to this award ceremony. Mm -hmm. Um, Then there's this whole scene that, like, there's this whole scene between Iris, Graham, and Amanda where, like, Iris is on the phone with both Graham and Amanda, and both of them are, like, asking how the other one's doing, and she figures out that they're, like, sleeping together. which I do think Kate Winslet is very funny in this. That's a great yeah. scene. Well, I think that scene, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure that scene was in the trailer for this movie. Yep. I, it was like the whole trailer. I watched the trailer before I watched the movie. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't even know Arthur was going to be in it. <laughs> he was nowhere to be found. <laughs> he was looking for his house. <laughs> um, then there's this, there's this scene where... Uh, Iris and Miles go to Blockbuster, early 2000s alert. (laughs) Oh, good times. Mm -hmm. And they're goofing around. This is where we get uh, Jack Black at his Jack Blackiest, where he's he's running around and showing her every movie and going over the score. 
So he's going like, this movie, blah, 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 do, 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 do. And like, it, just singing out the score for like every movie. Some of these things I was like, this is so Jack Black specific that either this was written for Jack Black or Jack Black improvised a bunch of shit. Oh, that's an interesting, I don't know. But yeah, that's an interesting concept to think about. Because it's very specific to like, like he's a musical guy. We know that he does that like music riff thing in every single movie. Like I wonder which came first, the the jokes or like, like I just don't know if he, if like how much he influenced it. Um, yeah, but during this scene, this scene not only made me nostalgic for like video stores, but it just made me nostalgic to like go to a store with my friends and drink frappuccinos and goof around. <laughs> oh, that was also really cute. What he did when he came into the scene, he goes, I got the best drink in town. And I don't know if you like big dollop of whipped cream or small dollop. And that, I, I took notes from that. I go, ooh, I'm going to do that next time I'm trying to woo someone. Let <laughs> <laughs> me like, get opposing dollops and see what they think. <laughs> um, it's during this exchange that he sees his girlfriend out with another guy. He, he confronts her. He finds out that she's actually been back in town for a while and she's been staying with this dude. Uh, and then they're back at, they're back at the home. Iris is like consoling him uh, because he really is like really upset about this. He's like, dude, I sent her Christmas present all the way to fucking New Mexico. Like I stood in line to mail her present to her set in New Mexico and she's out here. Like yeah, that was messed up on her, on her end because mm -hmm. like now she's never going to get that gift or I hope she doesn't. And it was probably a nice gift because he seems like a nice guy. Oh, absolutely. Um, remember, when we does the shower tour. Oh, he definitely does the shower tour. <laughs> then we get this great moment from Kate Winslet where she's talking to Miles about, you know, her history with Jasper. And she has this, like, great monologue. I want to see if I can pull up some of the quotes. But oh, it's a fantastic monologue. It's as an actor, it's one that I would like to even do myself. Mm -hmm. um, oh, she has so many great like little monologues and speeches in this movie. Um, this is kind of the part of the movie where you, you we start to get all every each character has a a, mo a moment. Yes, or, this is kind of like getting the ball rolling for that. Mm -hmm. that uh, I found the quote. She says. She says, I understand feeling as small and as significant as humanly possible and how it can actually ache in places you didn't know you had inside you. And it doesn't matter how many new haircuts you get or gyms you join or how many glasses of Chardonnay you drink with your girlfriends. You still go to bed every night going over every detail and wondering what you did wrong or how you could have misunderstood and how in the hell for that brief moment you could think that you were happy. That's such good writing. It's really good. It's so honest. So That's honest. like every person who has experienced a heartbreak or a breakup or just like you thought that you were more than you were with somebody. That's exactly how it feels. Yeah. And yeah, it's right. Like it, it, 
there's always that moment you have of like, no matter what you do to try to make yourself happy, you're always going to go back to replaying those moments in your head. Mm -hmm. um, and she's so great in this moment. I love it. But it ends on a positive. She's, she's telling Jack because she, uh, Jack Black's character, she's saying, look, I, it, I know it's hard for me to say, like, I know how you feel, but I do, but she's starting to get over Jasper. Mm -hmm. And so she's giving um, advice saying, you, it, you'll get better. It, it'll hurt right now, but you will get over this person. If I can do it. <laughs> yeah. And then Miles says the most romantic thing I've ever heard. He goes, I'm making you some fettuccine. <laughs> Christmas fettuccine. Yeah. It's Christmas Eve and they're having some fettuccine. <laughs> Which ties right into the next scene. Cameron Diaz is eating fettuccine as well. Yep. Then there's this nice little like, kind of like a time lapse montage of like Cameron Diaz eating fettuccine, Cameron Diaz going on hikes, Miles and Iris prepping Arthur for his award, uh, Graham showing up at Amanda's door and they make the fuck out. Like <laughs> there's a lot going on here. Um, and then we get this really cute scene where uh, Miles is showing Iris the little melody that he wrote for Arthur when Arthur like walks across the stage to get his award. Yeah. And then he also wrote a melody for Iris and it's like this cute little like romantic trill. Uh, and then like- A charmer, a charmer. Cause he says, I only use the good chords. Yeah, I love that line. I only use the good chords. Um, and then he starts making up, like, goofy lyrics with her. Uh, doodly do. Doodly do. <laughs> doodly do. Oh, she's doing the doodly do's. <laughs> That's a little bit more Jack Blackie, that scene. A little bit more. I love that scene because, like, I feel like that's what a, like, a real-life romantic moment is like with somebody. Like, because, like, the most romantic moments, I think, are the moments where you're, like, able to goof around and just like have fun and be yourself. And like him writing her a melody, that's romantic, but it's made even more romantic that they get to have that like little goofy moment between. Well, it's interesting that they show that side of a relationship, the goofy romantic side, because then right after that it goes to Amanda and um, what is Jude Law? Graham. Graham, yes. Uh, after just having hot and heavy sex. Which don't discount, they're all very important parts of relationships, but it shows the, just the different contrast, which is fun. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like you said, we get this scene between Graham and Amanda, uh, this post-coital conversation. And, <laughs> and they're really bummed out because they like, they really, really have a great connection, but their lives are so different. And Amanda is, presenting these different scenarios to him and they all just like inevitably end up <laughs> and breaking up and being heartbroken. She's like, well, we could try this, but then in six months, like you're going to get distant and I'm going to get mad and we're going to fight and we're going to break up. And she's so, she's so smart, this woman that she can see the outcome months in advance. Mm -hmm. Whereas Graham, he's like, can we just enjoy it? Yes. I'm more of a Graham. 
I'm a Pisces. I'm like, let's live for the moment. <laughs> like I have dated the person who is like, look, this is going to happen. And then this is going to happen. And then this is going to happen. And I'm almost like, oh my God. Like, that's me though. I'm such an Amanda. I think Amanda is an anxious character. I can so relate. Like, because I am like that. I'm like, okay, well we could do this, but then what if in five months we decide to do this and then this happened for no reason. And like, I'm, I'm very much working on getting better at that. I think I am, but I'm such a planner that like in my mind, I'm like, is this even worth it? Because in six months, this is gonna happen and then this is gonna happen and it's all gonna be destroyed. And he kind of stops this little spiral of hers and he goes, I have another scenario for you. I'm in love with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bold, like, so if we think about the time range, has it been like a week? Um, so I know that they're, they're both on this, they're both on these vacations for like two weeks. Two weeks. And I think they decided to go home. They're going home like right after Christmas. So she's been there for like probably a week and a half or something. They should be, these characters, or Grant, should be The Bachelor. <laughs> type of person because they, he falls fast. Mm -hmm. Oh, he was made for The Bachelor. He has a tragic backstory. He's a lovely single father. He looks good in glasses and a turtleneck. Uh, and he falls in love quickly and, and cries all the time. <laughs> You're That's right. Woman's dream. <laughs> exactly. Um, Iris and Miles are eating dinner. He performs an accidental boob graze, which I love. <laughs> He's reaching for the soy sauce. He goes, oh, accidental boob graze. <laughs> Was it an accident? No, I don't know. I don't think I think it is, but yeah, it really is. As a as a busty lady, I have experienced the accidental boob graze uh, many times, <laughs> and it's never as steamy as it sounds. <laughs> Which is probably I'm glad they joked about it. That, I think that's another telltale sign that it was a female writer. Yeah. <laughs> um. So he gets a call from his ex, basically begging him to talk to her. He agrees to meet her. Um, basically, we're getting this, we're, we're getting these mirrored scenes where Miles has to go and talk to his ex and he knows she's gonna wanna get back together and he has to be strong and just not do it. And likewise, in the next scene, Iris sits down, she starts reading Jasper's pages, uh, Oh, he had sent her like pages of his book to read over. Um, and he calls and he's at the door. He flew all the way to Los Angeles to see her. After she specifically said, I'm trying to get over you. Yeah. And this man is engaged to someone else. Yes. I don't, I have no words. Jasper's the worst. Um, <laughs> basically, we get this scene where he is saying like, and I, I think this is really realistic. He's saying like, I came all the way out here to see you. Like, doesn't that mean I love you? Like, then he doesn't say I love you, but he's like, you know, doesn't that mean I want to be with you? Like, I did this. So that obviously proves my commitment. He did something that she didn't ask him to do, by the way. Uh, and he's kind of trying to use this as like leverage to be like, we should still be together because look at all the effort that I went to for you. Like, 
you can't like can't end things with me because I flew all the way here to be with you and I can't lose you and I value you but she doesn't want to be his friend she wants to be more than that and he needs to accept that yeah but if you're if you're gonna be marrying this other person you know I just can't be your friend mm -hmm. and they are about to kiss they're like all cuddled up on the couch and they're about to kiss and she realizes, and this is something that I think uh, we can all learn from, she realizes in that moment that when she asks him direct questions, he never answers her questions. Mm. He always twists it around. She goes like, I think she says, uh, are you still going to marry this other woman? And he says something like, he says something like, that does, like, all I know is that like, I really care about you or something like that. He gives some BS answer that's not an answer and they're about to kiss and then she goes, wait a minute, you didn't answer my question. Yeah. You never answer my questions, hold on. Like, you need to tell me right now. And she finally like, he says that he's still getting married and he finally pushes her to the point where she stands up to him and kicks him out. And I have the lines of this like, Wonderful speech. I was just going to say, it's another great monologue. He's about to call her babe again. And she cuts him off and she says, you broke my heart and you acted like it was somehow my fault and my misunderstanding that I was too in love with you to ever be, oh, and I was too in love with you to ever be mad at you. So I just punished myself for years for your waltzing in here on my lovely Christmas holiday and telling me that you don't want to lose me while you're about to get married. Yes. And she realizes how toxic this is. And I love that she, she says like, you somehow made this seem like it was my fault. Uh, because I think that's what happens in toxic relationships. When you feel yourself starting to get to that breaking point, somehow it gets turned around where you're like, oh, well, you know, Maybe I'm just being too much. I'm too in love with him. I'm too clingy. I'm too this, I'm too that. Instead of recognizing that maybe this other person is dicking you around. Yeah, and because it's always that one little small nice gesture that brings you back, right? Mm -hmm. That one nice text or the nice compliment or, mm -hmm. and then you, again, you, you get a little taste of that niceness that you're blinded to the whole, the bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah. And we see him do that throughout the movie. We see him do like just enough that's nice to like keep her on board without having to like actually fully be committed to her. Yeah. Um, so after that, we get this wonderful moment with her. Um, and then we, we cut to Arthur's award ceremony and they walk in and the theater is like packed. So many people and you can see the emotion in Arthur's eyes when he finally, when he first takes that in mm -hmm. it, and he, he contains it, but you can tell that he is like, he finally realizes like, oh my gosh, people do still care. And that's such a beautiful moment um, that we see him have. It makes me cry. <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's such a great ending to his story um because i don't think we see him again after this oh yeah um she helps like escort him to the stage and he has this like triumphant moment where he's able to like walk up the stairs by himself 
and he even has like this great line. I don't remember exactly what he is, but he's like, I can't imagine, I couldn't imagine being here today. And I certainly can imagine like making it up those steps by myself. Aww. And I love that because I, I love that there's like, I think something that we don't, uh, I'm going to get really philosophical here. <laughs> I think it's important to remember like how important small successes are and like small achievements and like this guy is getting basically like a lifetime achievement award from the writers guild and being honored and we're clapping that he was able to walk up the stairs because that's something he never thought he'd be able to do at this point in his life and where he was at physically like and that's like the more inspirational part even than him getting this award for his writing you know finding humor in things that he was embarrassed about at first like how I would never I'm gonna make a fool of myself mm -hmm. now he's finding he's able to laugh about it and so not only do we need to celebrate ourselves for our small achievements but we also need to laugh about laugh about ourselves you know mm -hmm. we let's not take everything so seriously yeah this is this is a really cute moment. We're, we're winding down to the end of the movie. I only have one page of notes left. <laughs> um, while they're watching Arthur give his speech, he gives a really good speech. I don't remember what he says, but it's really cute. <laughs> um, Miles sits down next to Iris and he asks her out for New Year's Eve. And she says, you know, I won't be here. I'm, I'm gonna be in England. And he offers to fly out to see her. Um, and what I really, and like spend New Year's Eve with her. And I really like this because I love that he wasn't just like, oh, okay, well that's that. He's like, I'm coming to you, if you'll let me. Like, he asked permission. Jasper. Jasper. <laughs> shows up. Mm -hmm. He is like, if you want me to, I'm game to travel out there for you. I've never been to England, I've never been to Europe. Like, you should show me around. Uh, and then they have this really cute kiss in the audience, like, while everyone is applauding for Arthur. Uh, just so cute. Um, so back in England, now we've resolved that. Now we have to resolve Amanda and Graham. Yes. Uh, back in England, Graham and Amanda, they're not saying their goodbyes. They're saying their, I'll be seeing yous which is really cute um i like how they don't they're like leaving this kind of on a note of uncertainty where they don't really like know where things are going to go from here but they know that they want to see each other again yeah um they don't have it all planned out but they're saying our goodbyes she gets in the car <laughs> and she's driving away and Amanda finally has her moment where she breaks down and cries. Probably some of the best acting she does in the entire film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think she gets better throughout the film. I think being paired with Jude Law, I think because they have like decent chemistry, I think that elevates Cameron Diaz's acting a little bit more, <laughs> to be honest. Hey, when you are with, you know, good talent, it, it helps you become better too. <laughs> And I just think, like, we've gotten to know her character a little bit more at this point. Yeah. So, um, so I think, you know, this is a moment of realization where she realizes, like, 
he is someone important enough to me that I was able to cry over him. Well, she's, and she's been so, she's finally being vulnerable, not with someone else, but like also with herself. I mean, she's been so wrapped up in work that like in just a short amount of time, she opened herself up to someone, which I think is why she's finally able to cry. Yeah. And also like, you know, at the beginning of the movie when she was breaking up with, uh, I think his name was Evan or Ethan, he tells her like, this is not normal. Like women cry when they're going through a breakup. Like who doesn't cry when they break up with their boyfriend? And so like, I mean, she hasn't cried since she was 15. This makes me believe she's never really cried over a man and she's crying over this guy. How old do you, her character has to be maybe late twenties. Yeah, I would say she's at least 30. I, I mean, they're probably both in their 30s. So it's been at least like 15 years. She hasn't cried for a long time. Like half of her life at this point, at least. So she, in this moment, she's crying over so many things, not even just Graham, if you think about it. And she makes the driver turn around and she runs through the snow in her heels. But can we, can we read Wait, though, no, but it's very dramatic. Did you forget something? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she runs back to the cottage. Yes, I did. She's running. She takes that moment where she's like, she's running really fast and then she has to stop and like breathe again. And then she starts running really fast again. <laughs> and there's so many gates too. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, I like a million gates. <laughs> so many fences that she has to go through. She's like, she's jumping over the fences and the hurdles. She makes it there. She goes into the cottage and we see that Graham was also crying. She like runs yeah. in and he's like also wiping oh. away tears. He is the sweet, my apartment, I realize has gotten so dark in the duration of this. That was mine. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, his crying when he's just like, like, I don't know, like I couldn't help yeah, it. I was crying. <laughs> yeah, it was just adorable. Sorry, the... Cats are meowing. <laughs> it's okay. We're almost done. Um, she basically says, like, hey, you know what? I'm going to stay for New Year's Eve. And we cut to New Year's Eve in London. It's the girls, Graham, Iris, Miles, and Amanda. They're all at Graham's house. And they're just, like, laughing and toasting and dancing and having fun. And... We haven't seen Amanda and Iris like face to face in a scene together at all. Yeah, they're like finally meeting for the first time, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really nice because like it's kind of they're all joined together, um, which is nice. We finally get to see the whole cast like in one room. And then beautiful jazz music plays as the credits roll, just like what happens in every Nancy Myers movie. Uh, <laughs> And that's the end of the movie, The Holiday. And it's happily ever after. Mm -hmm. And they finally found love. Yep. And um, I like that this movie ends uh, without us really knowing what's going to happen next. Like, there's still the problem that they all live on opposite ends of the world. Yeah. But we don't have to worry about that for right now. We just have to toast our champagne and celebrate the new year. Um, 
that's not for the audience to have to worry about. We just get to have the fun and like be left with the joy of the moment, which I think is nice. Yeah, we get too far ahead of ourselves in life and then we forget to enjoy the moment. And that's what this moment is. Yep. Amanda is not planning out every single thing. <laughs> um, so that was the holiday. Thank you for going over this with me. Yeah, of course. Um, I have some overall thoughts that... So dark. I'm going to um, turn on this light really quick. Okay, go for it. I know, it's so dark in here too. But we're wrapping up. Um, just to give my overall thoughts as somebody who has never seen this movie before, these were some of my final thoughts. I said, uh, <laughs> I said that Kate, Kate Winslet is amazing. That was the first thing I wrote down. Uh, I wrote that it's nice that we get to live in the fantasy uh, at the end and no repercussions. Um, and <laughs> I also wrote, I'm not sure what the point of Arthur was overall, but I'm glad that he was in the movie. <laughs> Interesting. No, Arthur was totally necessary because he needed to tell her that she was being the best friend. True. Right? That's true. I guess it was, I guess it was nice because uh, in a way, you know, we, we see most of Cameron Diaz's scenes are with uh, Graham and that we're seeing like that whole romance unfold. And I thought originally that the movie was going to mirror that in Kate Winslet, where we were just going to see her with Jack Black the whole time. But instead, we see the majority of her time spent with Arthur, and that's not a romantic relationship. So I do think that that was unexpected. Instead of just having these two romantic relationships going on to get, like, in sync, it was nice that there was, like, also this other relationship between you know, a woman and a man that's platonic and is still important. Yeah, it's showing like the different, really it's showing, if you think about it, we have all different kinds of love relationships in this movie. We have the, who's a cat? We have the, the platonic one between um, Arthur and Iris. And then, um, Miles and Iris, they're kind of forming a more, it's platonic, but it's teetering on romance, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's the hot and the heavy, you know, um, with uh, Amanda and Graham. And then even we also have the parental love with Graham and his children. Um, True. So getting all these different types of ways that people can love one another. Dang, you're a genius. I did not think of this at all. I just thought of it now. <laughs> I love that. Um, overall, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, it didn't feel super Christmassy to me, actually. Uh, yeah, I can get that. Just because, like, yeah, it takes place over, like, the holiday season. But there were points in the movie where I was like, wait, is it Christmas yet? Like, did they skip over Christmas? Like, <laughs> just because there was no Santa Claus? Yeah, <laughs> I just wish for once Santa Claus had come into this movie and she had fallen in love with Santa. What if at the end Arthur has been Santa the whole time? 
And there's like one little scene with him just like dressed in like eating his cookies and milk. <laughs> his nose like wiggles and he just like shoots up her fireplace. <laughs> we never see him again. <laughs> Maybe that was the ending, but they figured Hollywood was like it. <laughs> it was a different cut. <laughs> On the cutting room floor is what I wear. <laughs> Um, there were some parts that I thought did drag on a little bit long in the middle. Uh, I definitely think like, it, this is a two hour movie and I definitely think there were some parts that could be consolidated. Um, but overall I gave this movie a seven and a half out of 10, uh, which is a high score for me. I'm a, I'm a tough scorer. Oh, interesting. So yeah. upon my first watch, I would have to deem the holiday very watchable. And I think it's a movie that you can watch not just during the holiday season. Uh, I think it's a rom-com that you can enjoy throughout the year. Yes, I would have to agree with that. Um, anything you want to add? Anything that you didn't notice uh, other times that you experienced differently upon this viewing? Um, I, not off the top of my head. Yeah, um, I I, I like it. It's cute. It's another one of those just like really good movies. Um, and actually, I have watched it not during Christmas. I watched it, I think, like two months ago. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's a good one, but I don't. I, yeah, I would probably score it about the same for me, maybe like a seven out of 10. It's not one of my absolute favorites. I can't watch it like all the time. I do need to have space in between, um, but it's a good movie. Let me turn this light on real quick and we'll say our goodbyes. I'm like shrouded in darkness at this point. Well, that's how I was like two seconds ago. <laughs> so, um, that was the holiday, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. This was really fun to have you, Jordan. Yeah, I had a great time. I, I love it. I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> um, I will be linking all of Jordan's stuff down in the description box. You should definitely check out her social media. Uh, it was really great having you. I hope you want to come back another day. I do. Remember, you haven't seen While You Were Sleeping. True. You also haven't seen uh, Christmas Vacation. I will keep, I'm going to write those down so that we can do episodes on those because I would love to hear your uh, Chevy Chase impression. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Uh, thank you guys. Cat's name is Frosty. Just oh, he's so cute. Thank you guys so much for listening to Unwatchable. If you guys are watching on YouTube, thanks so much for watching Unwatchable. Uh, be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Unwatchable with Chloe Rodriguez and follow me on Instagram at Cuckoo for Clo Puffs. Yes, it's an embarrassing name and it's a long one. So they're all written out in the description for you. I will see you guys next time on Unwatchable.